Because ideas don't matter if you're not executing on them. So giving yourself small goals that can really be executed. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community, which kind of rocks. So go to bizwomenrock.com. Woo! I am so excited that you're here today because this is a great interview with Sabina Hitchin, who's the founder of Tin Shingle. Her company uh, basically takes all of her past PR experience and working with clients individually uh, for their PR needs and is now creating content uh, that the members of the community can can access at any given time that gives them the PR, marketing, and social media knowledge that they need as small business owners so that they can either choose to go and hire somebody to implement it or probably most likely know what they're doing so they can go take care of it themselves, which is a really great idea. Her purpose for doing this was really to be able to make really high-quality PR and marketing and social media information accessible to everyone. Um, And so she's created this online community um, called Tin Shingle, and it's an entire platform. So we're talking about, you know, tons of members accessing information. So in this conversation, we really go into how she comes up with really great content, the type of content that she's giving, why it makes it unique and different from the free content that she gives, um, and how she man- how she has built the community, how she manages members, um, how she brings in new members. Uh, It's just very fascinating. And I will tell you, there is a phenomenal lesson learning story that she tells about one of her worst moments in business, one of the lowest moments that she's had, and how she had to go up against one of the largest businesses that I know that you will know of, and, um, and how she came out of that. So lessons learned from that. Really great information from Sabina. So let's get going. Sabina, what's going on, girl? Thank you so much for being on the phone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you. So full of energy you are. So I want to be able to (laughs) ring all that energy in for this conversation because you and I were having a really nice pre-chat and I'm excited for everyone else to be able to get in on that. Um, Tin Shingle and your expertise and who you are, that is what we are here to learn about today. And I'm really excited to share your story with the Biz Women Rock community because it's just awesome. So um, I always love starting with a little bit kind of like pre-entrepreneurship. So can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing, kind of, you know, what your profession was before you started your own company? Sure. So I was sort of the opposite of an entrepreneur. I left college and I went into teaching. I'd intended to be a lawyer because I thought that sounded good. I think when you don't know what to tell your parents you're going to do when you leave college. You say something like doctor or lawyer. So I decided <laughs> Does that to still work. <laughs> it, I mean, it worked for me. So that was, you know, early. That was 2000. So I said that in entrepreneurship, then I didn't even know it was an option 
So I had a history and a political science degree, and I thought, I I went to get a teaching certificate, and I said, send me where you need teachers, anywhere. So I ended up teaching public high school on the south side of Chicago, which was an adventure. And um, from there, and I actually fell in love with teaching. I didn't realize I would, but I did. And from there, I ended up designing curriculum for the Bill Gates Charter School. So oh, wow. I really got into the world of education, and I was loving it. And then in about five years, everyone tells you, at five years of teaching, you know, this is it for me forever or this is not. And I knew it wasn't my forever job, at least in the way I was teaching at that point with high schoolers. So I decided to have my New York chapter. I decided I needed a New York chapter. <laughs> and when during the case, I literally had, I emailed my mom this because I was too afraid to tell her at the time. I was in my early 20s. And so I moved to Brooklyn, New York and um, got a job in public relations, again, not at all skilled in public relations, but I needed a job. My friend got me to interview. I, with zero experience, sort of talked my way into the job, but that became one of the most pivotal moments of my life because within a year, I had my own PR agency, and this is a girl who was literally Googling what is a press release on her first day of the job because oh I gosh, had no great. idea. <laughs> so I, I'm, it was intense. I'm fascinated, though, Going into this field that all of a sudden you have this huge passion for, it sounded like it only took you a year to kind of go off and do things on your own. Why did you make that decision so early? Like what what happened within that year that, you know, got you thinking like, hey, I need to do this on my own. I could have my own firm doing this. You know, I think like so many entrepreneurs, it wasn't, especially the service industry entrepreneurs, for me, it wasn't an intention. I'd been working, I first worked in a big, I was at a startup when I started, which was amazing. And I had a great, inspiring leader and mentor as a boss. So I was doing it there. Then I went to an agency that was less than amazing. So I basically had a little bit of a Jerry Maguire moment where I thought, there's too many clients, nobody is servicing them the right way, I'm out of here. But I was in my mid-20s and very inexperienced, so nobody really cried for me. And I thought, okay, I guess I'll go get another job in public relations. But what happened was my clients at the time, who were all the less, I guess, sexy clients, you could say, it was before entrepreneurship was really cool. So they gave me, you know, the entrepreneurs and the startups that nobody really wanted to work with. And so my clients started reaching out to me and saying, where are you? How can we work with you still? And so it was really accidental. I started talking to my parents about it who are entrepreneurs. Um, well, my dad is a physician, so I didn't consider him an entrepreneur, really. And my mom, I just always thought, worked for herself. But I didn't, again, I hadn't sort of connected the dots. But they both said to me, you have this opportunity. You're really young. Go for it. Start your own company. We will support you emotionally. And um Worst case scenario is we have an amazing story over a pint of beer one day that says, oh, and then in my 20s, I started a business. And the best case scenario is it works for you. And so I did. I took that risk. It was a huge uh, experience. It was sort of scary. And then I started my PR agency. So a year after I moved to New York, I was in a one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, like taking business calls in the bathroom. But that's where it began. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Well, what kind of what kind of things were you doing? I know you had a couple of these starter clients, but um, you know, like, were you kind of like in the black already, or did you need to go out and sort of hustle and find more clients? I was lucky to have clients to start with, and also another thing I did that I always like to tell other entrepreneurs about is I tried to keep my startup costs really low, so I didn't get the fancy office in the beginning until I could afford it, and it wasn't always super, it wasn't really super fancy, but I started at home, 
I started, I didn't take a loan. I got a line of credit, so I only needed to spend the money that was necessary to start my business. And then I did have clients. And like um, like any good service industry business owner, um, as I did good work, word of mouth spread. So I soon had more and more clients. Within my first year, I was bringing on team members to help, which is also really amazing. So I really was always in the black, though I was also always working really, really hard. That first year, I can remember spending a 24-hour period basically working because even though I had my own business, I didn't have the training or the huge amount of experience that would give me access to all the shortcuts and the things I needed to know. And there was nowhere really to get that. Um, social media wasn't even huge back then. I'm sort right. of dating myself. But, so I basically was learning as I went, but I did. I was able to get clients quickly, and I really dug in. I have to say, I really found this was something I got. And I think also when you're green and sort of clueless, you'll go for it so big and so bad because you don't know any better. So I was getting my clients really great, amazing press, like O Magazine's O-List or the big idea of Donnie Deutsch when that show existed, like big opportunities because wow. I didn't know not to ask for them. So I just went for it. I love that. Yeah, they always say like, you know, you, you're better off not knowing what, what uh, you know, and being ignorant because you will, you don't know your limitations. You don't, you really don't. And I feel like I was always sort of a go big or go home kind of gal and it felt good. And I think when you're also really young and have very little to lose, you sort of go for it, and um, fear was sometimes scary, but it's also a big rush at the same time. So I basically just went for it, and I really soon learned that, like, you know, there's no business like your own business. You just get so excited about it and so into it, and I kept pushing for it, and before I knew it, it was like falling down a rabbit hole, and before I knew it, I'd been in business for a few years. Mm. So tell us about how, how you stumbled upon Tin Shingle, or this idea of now sort of like kind of making your business from an agency to a community that provides education about your topic. So how did that, how did you bump into that? Sure. Well, I'll first, so I was doing PR and it was great. And as a new entrepreneur, I needed to be somewhere to see around other entrepreneurs and get some mental and emotional support, basically. So I joined the women's networking group. And one day I'm going up in the elevator. There's another gal in the elevator who ran a web design and SEO agency. And it was like one of those moments when you meet the person you're supposed to be with. This was like meeting my work wife, basically. And we <laughs> connected instantly. And like angels played. It was amazing music. And we became really close friends in entrepreneurship as we were growing our service industry businesses. And we also both, in our own respect, were becoming teachers, helping entrepreneurs figure out their PR, figure out their social media, figure out their SEO, because that's what we did and we loved, and we loved being of service to them, teaching for free, speaking, you name it. And then as we were doing that, we started saying to ourselves, okay, there's a huge gap in the market. People need to know the hows of building buzz for their business because no matter what kind of entrepreneur you are, service, product, expert, um, you need to know how to do your own PR and your social media and your SEO, and you needed those, those things demystified. Right. And there was no one doing that. You can, I mean, it was just taking too much time. And you just want to tell them, this is how you do it. And business owners can be really good at what they do for a living, but they're often not trained to do these other things, PR, right. social media, all that stuff. And outsourcing it is really expensive and not the best choice for most entrepreneurs in the beginning. So this woman, Katie, and I started talking more and more. And long story short, we decided to combine both of our expertise 
to create an online platform that isn't a service. It's a platform where you can access expert tools, education 24-7 in the area of PR, social media, online marketing, web stuff, all that jazz. And um, it was interesting because here I was sort of combining two things I loved, and it was all accidental. So I had this career. At this point, we've fast-forwarded while. I've been doing PR for a long time now. And um, she'd been doing SEO and online marketing and web design. We combined those things to create an online platform where we could then teach those things. And that's where my teaching came into handy because if there's one thing I knew how to do well, it was design, curriculum, and education. And so we wrapped that all up in a bow of community because it helped so much to be not just learning but engaged in a community where you can help each other and exponentially grow your knowledge and your connections and all that stuff. So um, before we get into like really digging into your whole business model for Tin Shingle, there's sort of this, you know, you started this community, this platform, this whole kind of online university type of, hey, this is where you can go to get all this information. And you had something really interesting happen kind of pre-Tin Shingle. Can you explain what that is? We did. Are we talking about the low point? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm we going did. there already. <laughs> it's such a great story. It's okay. I'm cool with it because I think it's like we said before in our free chat, it's so important to talk about your low points because guess what? We all have them. Right. And it would be uncool if we weren't real about them. So our biggest low point, I would say, at Tin Shingle is before we were Tin Shingle, we were called something else. Um, we were called Preneur. I'll just put it out there. And that was for a couple of years. So we were doing our thing. And then literally one day we got a notice from a bunch of corporate lawyers that said, you can't call yourself anymore, this anymore basically because um, Entrepreneur Magazine owns the trademark to the word entrepreneur. So that began what became a basically a year-long battle because in the beginning we believed that can't be possible. And right. how could that be? Um, that's not fair, which I learned in business isn't always, doesn't matter. And so... We fought for about a year to keep our name because it's not just the name. As you know, like when you're branding your company, it's everything. It's your social media pages. It's your web domain. It's everything. And after a year, what we realized was we were spending a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of our focus and energy trying to fight a battle with someone who had really deep pockets. So we had to back off. But what's interesting is like so many really low points in business, out of those low points become some of your greatest triumphs. And so when we decided, okay, this has been a year-long battle, and it was brutal. It was emotionally taxing and financially taxing. We decided, what's next? And when you have those moments when you have to ask yourself, do we, do we just throw in the towel? Do we keep the company going? What do we do? We decided we're going to keep going. We're going to rebrand. And it gave us this clarity that changed our business for the better. We really said, okay, what comes with us to this new iteration, this new tin shingle? What doesn't come with us? What do we really stand for? And all of that changed our business forever. So even though it seemed like the hardest thing, it seemed like the worst part of our business story, it became really the best part of our business story. And what's also funny is afterwards when we became tin shingle, um, everyone in our family and our friends, everyone said, we want that name so much better anyway. Oh, Which I thought nice. was really funny. <laughs> and just to throw it out there as well, um, when we chose the name Tin Shingle, we chose it because uh, obviously back in the day when you were an entrepreneur, you hung your shingle, that's the term for running your own business. And tin is an element that withstands bad weather and corrosion, and it just keeps on ticking. So we thought that was very symbolic of what we were doing as well. And thus, Tin Shingle was born. 
I love that. I was going to ask you too what the what the name stood for. Um, I'm always curious on what happens to like your day to day business and your day to day customers during a brand change because it sounds like for that whole year you were really still doing business as the old name, even though it was really weird and you didn't know if you really could and you were fighting it. Then how did you? How are you dealing with clients and your brand? Your like public brand while you were kind of let's just say that point like right before you changed it and then the moment that you changed it how did you how are you really dealing with that it, like in my my response is, is because I think a lot of people would almost hold back like okay we can't be as um forthright with who we are out there we can't market as much we can't do as much PR because we're so unsure about where this is going and then you know so describe your attitude about that a little bit and then how did you actually communicate that to not only your customers but sort of to the to the world out there um, that you you know that you needed to because you already branded as something else so while it was going on we did we wanted to keep it away from the family so to speak the business family so only the people who were closest with us, even in our in our poor husbands, even knew what was going on. And though it did, I would say, if I were going to be honest, I'd say it did. You you hold back a little because you have all these big plans that yeah. sort of go with the old name, and you don't want to put them out there to lose those plans as well. So we made a plan that we were going to keep doing the best work, giving all of our members and our readers, and our class attendees, the best content we could, and being service providers in a bigger sense, like you know giving of service and our purpose as well as we could, but we weren't going to go big with a lot of our big plans because it just wouldn't have been right. And in the beginning, we really thought um, naively that we were going to win that battle. So we did. We were pushing our press. We were getting out there. And near the end, as it became clear we were going to have to change, we pulled it back a little. And the business felt it, but that was okay. I mean, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So it was a big, challenging period, and it did change us for the better. And then when we knew this is it, it became this. And when we, I'll tell you, when we figured out this is it, we are not going to, they're playing harder and harder hardball. At the end, we had about two weeks to change everything. They gave us a two-week window. Oh, my God. And it became this mad dash of, okay, what's the checklist of everything that needs to get done? All hands on deck. Let's go. Web team, community managers, let's do this. And our most important, um, the most important part of that change for us was letting our community and our platform know. All the people who, for some, had been with us for years. Right. And so we began by being really honest. And I think that sometimes as entrepreneurs, we try to be super cool and untouchable, but we had to get down and say, okay, here's what happened, and whatever we could say legally, and we are going to be changing, and that's okay, and everything else is going to stay the same. So we began by sending them an email first. And in that email, we actually sent a YouTube video that we'd done really quickly, just both of us talking side by side about what was going on. Wow. And then from there, we started sending out larger newsletters for our whole subscribership and all of that. And I'll tell you, almost instantly, people started writing back with um, support and happiness and congratulations. So it was a big relief because it's sort of staring into one of those unknown spaces. Um, what are we going to do? And then technically, I'll tell you, in case anyone else finds themselves in this situation, because it happens to a lot more businesses than we care to think about, right. um, then you have to really realize that they sh- your Facebook page, where you can have all your thousands and thousands of followers, will get shut down. And um, you can't take them with you, because after a certain amount, you can't take people with you. You can't just change the name. Wow. And so we had to start 
from scratch with everything except basically the newsletter is not hard. And then rebranding everything, what we did was um, we flipped the website with our web team just to take away every mention of our old name and do some technical things to bring the new name in. But we really, it's been a, pro- it's been a process that still continues. We are about to launch our new version of Tin Shingle, the website, and that really is a version that we've been wanting to do for a while, but we had another situation arise and said that we had to deal with this, um, this the trademark issue. Um, so now we're still fixing some of that branding stuff even a couple years later. Wow. So th- around, around Tin Shingle you are or around the prior company? Oh, no, with the Tin Shingle, we're just still, you know, after we finished the prior company and put that to bed, we still, like, you know, there are still things that happen on the back end that we had to deal with. We're done with the prior oh. company, but we still have things we'd love to do for Tin Shingle and change things here and there. But you sort of have to follow all the steps and do what's necessary first. And also what was most important to us always was to continue giving all of our members and readers and users what they needed because people care about the message. It's sort of like people obsessed over doing a great YouTube video and they're worried about how they look or the outfit they're wearing. People just want the content and the message and to feel like you are delivering with them to them with passion and purpose. Right. And the rest, all the aesthetics and everything else can come later. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. So let's dive into a little bit more about kind of how Tin Shingle is stru- uh, structured for you. So obviously, for, sort of from a business owner standpoint, talk a little bit about the whole makeup of Tin Shingle, kind of the, the whole business model of it. Sure. So... Like when I said, when Katie and I got together, we both knew we had these skill sets, and not only what our expertise was, we, we worked and lived in communities of other experts in our world. We wanted to harness all of that in one place online. So if you go over to Tin Shingle, you have access to a massive amount of free content that's um, articles, experts, everything. That was a big part of our platform, like give people the information they needed for free to begin with. As right. any kind of expert or community, you need to do that. You need to show them what you know. And then another arm of that, though, because we're all, like I said, we're always going back to PR, social media, SEO. How can we give, uh, demystify that and give business owners the tools to do it on their own? So then if you go over to the membership, um, if you pay for like a monthly membership at Tin Shingle, that's where you're getting into more higher level tools to help you do that. So you'll get access to PR contacts twice a week, really killer, deep um, PR lead um, from magazines, TV shows, online websites, you name it. Um, editorial calendars, you can plan your pitching in accordance to what magazines are working on. Um, free weekly webinars. Every single week we do a live class. It's sort of like PR, social media, SEO, buzz building in real time. We talk about what you need to know right now, today, whether it's a skill or a topic, and it's really hardcore, great education. You watch us teach live, and you can ask questions, all that jazz. And so, and membership, just so membership has all these tools and resources. You can communicate in private member forums, talk to people. For instance, we have a forum called the Pitch Workshop where you can put your pitch in there and people will give you input or advice or ask you to edit something. So that's all accessible for members. And then we got our free content, our members, and then we also have education that is on demand. You can purchase and download anytime. So podcasts, webinars, there's new ones uploading every single week that are all taught by experts in their field, whether it's about branding or Facebook marketing. We have a new one coming up about Pinterest promoted pins. So basically we have multiple arms of our business, but they all 
go down to the foundation of how can we empower entrepreneurs to do this on their own and to not feel afraid while they're doing it. Right. So um, as you have built all of this stuff out, how are you, um, let's start with how many members you have like right now? Right now we've got over a thousand members from coast to coast. And then we have nearly 20,000 monthly users so we have people who are hardcore members, some of them who've been members for years, some who come back and forth when they need it, sort of like a gym or when their budget allows for it. Mm-hmm. And then we have people who are reading or attending our webinars or downloading podcasts all the time, and they're not just committing to the membership fee. They're just taking what they need and heading off on their way. And it's really smart the way that you've structured that because the kind of the fallback for a lot of membership organizations, offline or online, is that, you know, if if people aren't actually in the membership, then no one gets access to it. But then you're not you're not really collecting any revenues that that all that content actually could put out there. So you're making it available at whatever stage of commitment that you want. Oh, yeah, completely. Also, because we know the nature of small business, we were and basically are small business owners as well, and that can be scary to commit. You don't want to maybe commit for a year or even commit for a month. You don't know what your business is going to be like in a month from now or your your income, your revenue. So we wanted to give them options, and we always really wanted to give amazing and educational and actionable content for free as well. I don't like, personally, when I go somewhere to read an article, or to get some information, and it's just sort of fluffy and useless to me. So everything we put into it, um, in the beginning it was a lot of our own work, and now we have an amazing stable of experts from all over um, the buzz building industries. We wanted it to be really great content, and we get letters from, and emails, I should say, from entrepreneurs who will say, like, I read that article about how to get on the Today Show, and I was on the Today Show, or I downloaded that class on Instagram and now I'm killing it on Instagram. So nice. we, we just wanted to give them as many ways as they could to access what we were what we were creating for them because that's our real purpose. I think we wanted people to not be afraid. I remember what it was like to have no idea what I was doing with PR and someone said to me, like, it's PR, not ER, Sabina, chill out. And here's how you do it. And I really wanted, I, I was thinking, it was so hard those years. I tried to figure it out on my own. I know what that's like, and I don't want other people to have to do that. It's like walking around in the dark, and someone turns on a flashlight all of a sudden. Right, right. So how are you getting, what kind of marketing are you doing to kind of build your funnel? Like, how are you getting more and more members? Uh, our, our marketing has a few different arms. I'd say one big way that a way anybody who's hoping to do something similar can do is we engage on social media and we get engaged authentically. We're there regularly. We are there communicating. You can't just be connected to people when it's useful for you, like when you have an important announcement to make or news to share. And the entrepreneurs that tend to find us tend to be on social media. So we're definitely out there on social media every day. And again, authentically out there because people want to connect to you and feel like they trust you. That's huge for us. And I mean, in everything we do, the authenticity is definitely huge, even when it feels sort of silly. I'd rather someone love us for who we are than who we're not. Um, another big way we're reaching our market is through the power of word of mouth because nearly everyone who comes into a Tin Shingle um, webinar, every Wednesday we have a class called the Tune-Up. It's a live webinar. People can bring a friend for free. So you can bring a friend every week and let them experience it as well. So. We're getting this word of mouth and also combining that with some freebies. I think that it's so important to give some kind of like, you know, 
front-end attractor or a magnet. Give someone something for free because when you're asking someone, especially an entrepreneur, to pay money for your service or your membership or your class, they need to know what they're getting into. So we let people bring people into the classes for free. We also, every single Tuesday, if you're on our newsletter, which you should be, if you're on the Tim Shingle newsletter, you get a free podcast download. So every week you can access a different podcast of ours to listen and that really teaches people um, what we're all about, our personalities, how our podcast goes. And then they really see that we're not just giving them fluff. We're giving them really hardcore advice. They get their downloadable um, workbook with it. They're getting solid information, and that happens every single week. Um, obviously, because I am in PR and Katie is, was, it was head an SEO agency and now does SEO with us, we um, work those areas as well. So we do great stuff with the press, and we make sure we're totally SEO'd. But I really think things like word of mouth and social media and, um, of course, things like blogging have been huge for us. Our blogs, I tell you, when Daily Candy existed, we were found by so many members and class attendees who were Googling, how do I get into Daily Candy? Oh, wow. That was huge. We, we had an article there, and I would say a massive amount of our traffic came just from that question. Wow. So really key to entrepreneurs listening would be to say, what are people wondering about who are my potential customers? Right. Like right now our biggest magnet um, on the World Wide Web is people wondering, how do I get onto the Today Show? Hmm. So they're searching for that and they're finding us. So really optimizing those parts of our websites and those articles and creating content that lures people to these um, our pages and then making sure we're selling on those pages, like you want more, here's membership. You want right. more, here's a class you can take, has been really powerful as well. Right. I love that and structuring that appropriately so they don't have to go like search and click 8,000 times in order to find how to be a part of whatever you got. Um, yeah, and you know, I think it's important just to add on there, like, you know, sure, PR is helpful. We were, we're in USA Today from time to time. That's huge for us. We're in different magazines or on television. People find us that way. But it's really important for entrepreneurs to know that, that you know everyone's living online these days, social media, reading their blogs. Um, we share our expertise with other websites and people who are in that community who care about entrepreneurship and buzz building and PR finding us there. And those are really powerful new ways of marketing that are basically free except for your time and energy and your strategy you put into it. Right, right. What is one of the biggest challenges that you've come across in having an online community? I mean, that's a whole... That's a very different model than creating widgets and selling widgets. So what's one of the biggest challenges that you guys have come across? Oh, my gosh. I think in the beginning and sometimes still today, one of the challenges you have so, is you have so many ideas that you want to implement. We're always trying to create new ways to demystify all these areas of web building. So trying to decide what is next and what should get the most attention can be difficult. And it always just boils down to what will bring our people the most utility, the most service, the most value to them. But that can be difficult. Um, I know as an entrepreneur, it was difficult for me just in general to learn how to manage because we're in a digital space. We are, um, all of our team, even my business partner and I, we not live in the same city um, anymore. She and I started um, when we were both single gals in the city. Now she's married with two kids in Beacon, New York. I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Um, so managing a team this whole purpose, the whole team is to take care of a community and everyone's digital can be difficult. But again, we solve that by FaceTime and Skype and go to webinar and also strict organizations so everyone knows what their role is and what their purpose is, when the meetings are and all of that. Um, 
I think that's difficult as well. And just making sure you're scaling the right way. When you're in an online business, there are so many um, like bright, shiny objects you can chase to make sure your online business is growing. So just deciding what are the best ways to spend our time growing it right now. How, Sabina, how do you um, like schedule your day or your week? Like, do you have certain tools or, you know, sort of a way to schedule yourself so that you're taking care of the most important things first so that you're, you know, actually accomplishing all the things that you need? Because I would imagine even with the team behind you, you've got a lot on your plate still and you're still in super growth mode. So how do you structure yourself most effectively that allows you to accomplish and keep on moving forward? That's a great question also. I'm so glad you asked it as well because I feel like structure is the key to success for us right now. Even though I resisted structure in the beginning because I felt like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, my freedom. I don't want to be held down by the man that became myself. But um, I realized that with structure comes great freedom, actually. So, um, but before I even talk about my day, I want to say the way I structure my day always has to begin with taking care of myself sort of mentally because I can't perform well for the business when I don't in the beginning. When I was a young entrepreneur, it was all work, work, work. And I started exhausting myself and also exhausting my great ideas because I wasn't really energized and feeling happy. I really became my own worst boss. So now when I start my day, I get up and I always meditate. And I just like to throw that out there. Even it sounds a little like new agey. But <laughs> that is the way I get my clarity. I know where my intention is, where my focus is. So I start out with meditation and I also start out at the gym. And I know that my business partner also starts out with running every day. So we make sure we take care of ourselves first. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to success. And then we have, throughout the week, different meetings scheduled. So, for instance, on Monday, we have editorial meetings. And a big key to our meetings is also that we don't make them, like, two to three-hour long meetings or your meetings are taking up all your work time. So we have a clear agenda. We get down and dirty. We do, like, editorial on Mondays. Another day, we'll have a meeting about partnerships. And it's, again, clear and focused. Um, another day we'll have a meeting about marketing and PR, and then we'll have an executive meeting looking at our team and how everything works. So we have regular meetings to keep things moving forward. We have goals set in those meetings, and then and realistic goals too. If you give yourself fifteen goals, you've actually given yourself zero goals because you're going to run around doing half of each goal constantly and never completing things. So we give each other realistic goals, we accomplish them, we assess how they're going, and we move on to the next goal. Um, another trick for me is actually sort of a a technical one, but I live off the organization app Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O, which is on my iPhone, on my computer, everywhere. My husband's on my board. So I know exactly what I need to be doing because I think lists are important. When I do lists on paper or post-its, they just get lost and they don't matter. So I stick to a list and the night before, I look at my list and say, okay, what what are the three priorities I have the next day? Let's get them done, and let's give myself enough room to do them well. For instance, when I knew you and I were chatting today, I gave myself a big bubble around that because I wanted to feel good, not feel rushed, feel engaged, check out some of my favorite podcasts of yours again, and just really feel like I knew what I was doing. But I think for us, the structure at Tenshingle is all about meetings, knowing what our important goals are, meetings of a purpose, I should say, and then execution, because ideas don't matter if you're not executing on them. So giving yourself small goals that can really be executed. Love, love, love that. 
Um, so my last question for you, I've never asked this question before, but it's just coming up in my mind as we're talking. What You're a very driven person. And, you know, I am very, very honored to have so many driven women on here, which I love. Um, but I would love to know what carrot you have hanging in front of you. Like, what is the big thing that you're like, I'm getting that. I'm not there yet, but I'm so, I'm like frothing at the mouth for it and it's going to happen. What it, What is that carrot for you? I think the carrot for me, and I love that question, by the way. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to use it for right now. <laughs> I'm pretty stilky doing it because I wonder what everyone else's carrots are. It's funny. In the beginning, the carrot was always for me like, you know, glory and like money or fame, all these things. When you're a young girl in your 20s, I thought that was the carrot. And uh, and I chased that carrot really hard. Even when I got the money and like the glory that I thought was what I wanted, I never felt satisfied. So now I've discovered uh, two things. I think I want the freedom and um, freedom to work how I want, when I want, with whom I want. Like that's a big carrot for me that comes when you can sort of sit back a little bit, not fully, but a little back, in the chair of the ship you're steering as an entrepreneur and saying, I have a lot of freedom, financial freedom, time freedom to make decisions where I can spend a lot of time with my family, um, my husband, um, be a mother someday that has plenty of time um, to do what she wants. So freedom is a big carrot for me right now. And um, the other thing um, for me, because I've been trying to do this a lot, is um, just I'm trying to choose joy, to live in a, like a state of joy and joyfulness and happiness. So for me, when we're working, I'm always saying to myself, is this pointing me in a direction that's going to bring me joy? Because otherwise, why am I doing this in the first place? And I think mm. when we become entrepreneurs, we, we start it with the purest of intentions or at least uh, positive intentions for freedom and happiness. And then a lot of times along the way, we lose that because we have to figure out bills and employees and keeping members happy and on and on and on. So um, I'd say freedom and joy are my carrots right now. I absolutely love that. Well, Sabina, I really want to thank you so much for sharing everything about your business and about your journey and giving us some really great things to think about during this interview. Thank you so much for being here. It was a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 